Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. 1 John chapter 4 reads as such, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And I read this particular passage because... Uh, there is such a thing as absolute truth, and we that are Christians uh, must understand not only is God truth, but the Bible uh, is God-breathed, and the essence of the Bible is truth. So when the Bible tells us about Jesus and uh, his atonement and what he did on a cross for us, it's vitally important that we understand Uh, that there's nobody like Jesus Christ. Jesus is the monogenes, meaning meaning that he's unique and the only uh, unique son of God. Historically, there's been nobody like Jesus. He's the only God man that ever walked this earth. But on today's episode, we have a treat uh, for those who have wondered about this particular Eastern religion. Uh, in America, one of our biggest problems is this whole thing of polytheism and pluralism. And many of us have acquiesced the truth of the gospel into embracing other religions. And the argument is all religions lead to the same place. And that is not true. That is uh, not within the uh, harmony of orthodoxy. So today we have a special guest who's going to uh, help us in better understanding the tenets of Buddhism. And we've had him on the show before, but we wanted to welcome Brother Kenneth Samples. Brother Samples, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on again. I appreciate it. Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. We enjoyed your book so much uh, that we have to invite you back so we can cover some more material. So thank thank you again for coming on the show. Happy to do it. Now, I do have a question for you uh, before we get started with the contents of the book. In your book, uh, you paid homage to uh, Dr. Walter Martin. What What is the history behind that? Yeah, Walter was uh, my first real teacher in the Christian faith. Uh, I kind of grew up as a nominal Catholic, but I really didn't understand Christianity. I bumped into Walter listening to the Bible Answer Man, and he had a big influence on me. His knowledge of the Bible seemed virtually encyclopedic. (laughs) Then later, I had a chance to work for him. I worked as a research uh, scholar for Walter at the Christian Research Institute, and that was just uh, a great learning experience, a wonderful opportunity to to uh, work with him and for him. So Walter played a very significant role in my life and in my ministry. Thank you so much for sharing that testimony. 
Uh, he did the same thing with me, but I came to apologetics from reading his book after he had passed. So okay. um, he's had a great effect on me as well. Uh, so let's get to the book uh, that you've written. It's called God Among the Sages. And I wanted to ask you, uh, since we're talking about Buddhism, it's only natural that we we answer this question. Who was the Buddha? Yeah, that's, a, that's an important question. He is a very important religious figure. Uh, the Buddha lived, let's say, approximately 500 years before the birth of Christ. There is debate about exactly what century the Buddha was born in. But he was uh, an Indian and uh, came from a fairly well-to-do family and uh, gradually kind of became discontented with the life that he had. It was a rather uh, affluent and educated life. But by bumping into suffering and uh, pain and sorrow, he decided to become a seeker and left his, uh, you know, his uh, affluent life behind. And uh, through his study of uh, philosophy and reflection and meditation, the Buddhists say that he experienced nirvana and became the enlightened or awakened one. So the Buddha would be the central figure in the religion known as uh, Buddhism and uh, remains uh, enormously influential uh, through his teachings and uh, through the religion itself, which is about 400 million people. Now, as, as you're talking and you talked about him seeking and learning, uh, in the book you talked about how he learned from monks and he learned from other groups. Wouldn't that be, uh, I guess, uh, another way to distinct him from Christ in a sense that Christ came knowing who he was? He wasn't uh, seeking to find uh, what the truth is. So, so uh, as we read about Buddhism, would that be one area of distinction? Yeah, I think that's a good insight. I, I think with uh, with Buddha, with Confucius, and even Muhammad, there is a period where they're seekers, where they're looking for answers, they're searching for, you know, answers to the deep questions of life. Whereas with Jesus, Jesus has a mission uh, from the earliest period. Even as a as a child, he recognizes that the Father has a calling and a vocation for him in his life, and I like to say that the other religious leaders, by and large, they say they have a revelation from God, but Jesus is a revelation of God. He's <laughs> revealing God himself, and that puts him in a different category. I, I like that. Thank you. So as as he's seeking and, and uh, trying to find out what uh, suffering is all about or trying to find out uh, more about his uh, the enlightened state, uh, he talks about, or, or in the book, you mentioned something about the four passing paths. What is that? Yeah, in, in Buddhism, you have uh, a, a religion, a philosophy of life, if you will, that really starts with the idea of pain and suffering. And so, you know, the first uh, noble truth is that all life is filled with suffering. And uh, it goes on from there to say that 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 suffering is caused by a desire or putting attachment into things that are changing. 
and and therefore Buddhism would argue that uh, you need to move away from putting your trust into temporal things that change and begin to uh, practice uh, the Eightfold Path, which involves disciplining your mind and your body, um, following a, a path that will lead to enlightenment, that will, will, you'll experience nirvana. So the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path tend to be kind of the foundational principles of Buddhism. Got it. So in terms of sharing or dialoguing with a Buddhist, uh, there, there are some similarities in terms of what you just mentioned in regarding the four paths and paths, uh, not clinging to material things. Uh, that's something that biblically uh, we can reinforce in terms of that principle. So how do we uh, dialogue with a Buddhist regarding that, but yet um, distinguishing between the other things that may not be biblical? Yeah, very good. I, I think, um, you know, I think the place to begin any kind of discussion with anybody, and, and in this case with a with a Buddhist, is to say, look, we do have some common ground. We do believe that uh, a spiritual life is important. We also believe that temporal things will not deeply satisfy uh, the human person. But I, I think at that point, we need to maybe move on to some of the more challenging elements, and that is, um, you know, B- Buddhists don't believe in, in the existence of the soul. Uh, they believe that, uh, uh, for example, uh, you know, they, they, don't, they don't hold kind of a fallen or sinful view of human beings. Their whole religion is kind of devoted to, you know, avoiding attachment. I think at that point we need to talk with them about uh, what is it that Buddha does for you, and how does Buddha compare with the person of Christ? Mm. I think in that regard, uh, you know, Jesus's sin, sinless life. The Buddha is very candid. He's not a perfect person. He is a model. He's an example for the Buddhist people, but he's not perfect. And we know that the Buddha died. His body was cremated. Uh, that's that's when we begin to see some of the real contrast in that the Buddha doesn't have a perfect life. He doesn't perform anything that changes a person's status before God. In fact, you could be a Buddhist and not believe in God at all. Mm. And certainly the Buddha does not conquer death. So I would say that we can start with some of the common ground that we have in terms of morality uh, and then move to some of the unique features that sets Jesus apart from Siddhartha Gautama. I appreciate that insight. Now, is there anything, and I'm not sure if, the, if these are the Buddhists, but oftentimes when you uh, visit a grave site, for an example, you say they don't believe in the soul. Um, there are, let's say, a food left on the grave sites. Is, is there any connection to that in Buddhism? Well, sometimes uh, both in Hinduism and Buddhism, there might be offerings that are made. And, and sometimes, uh, I mean, early Buddhism doesn't really ha- is not anchored in God or a belief in God. Buddhism evolves from Theravada, the early form, to, to Mahayana, a more evolved or expansive form. And they have a greater place for the deities. In fact, Buddha is exalted to a position of divinity. Uh, 
But sometimes food is seen as an offering uh, to relate to one of the deities, and I think you can see that in Buddhism and in Hinduism. The book um, has been outlined in a way that I think makes it very, very intelligible, and so I appreciate the way that it's formatted. Uh, So the first part, you talked about renunciation, dealing with the Buddha and how he renounced uh, his uh, affluent uh, environment. Then the second uh, point is the turning point uh, to, to enlightenment. So let us talk about that section. There's a term in there. Uh, Mara, M-A-R-A, I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it right. What What is that or who is that? Yeah, when the, the Buddha, when he leaves his, his life of affluence, he studies with various uh, probably Hindu priests, and um, he adopts kind of a asceticism that is a very strong sense of self-denial. There are stories about him eating one piece of rice a day. And when he falls into this meditative state, uh, uh, he carries visions, and there are even demonic uh, things that attempt to try to draw him away from from nirvana. And uh, so sometimes people will compare the Buddha with Jesus in that they had battles with the devil. But it is at that meditative state where the Buddha sets for 49 days and meditates. And so Buddhism is seen as kind of the middle path between affluence on one hand that he had when he was growing up with his kingly father and asceticism, you know, stark self-denial, that Buddhism is that middle path. And Mara would be seen as one who would try to tempt him away from his his focus of meditation. Thank you. And then... My next question is um, dealing with a word that many of us uh, are familiar with, but we really need a better explanation of what that is. And that's this term nirvana. Can you please uh, share with us what nirvana is? Yeah, it's a a challenging term, uh, even for Buddhists to explain. But the, the idea is that the Buddha reached a state of consciousness uh, it isn't necessarily an after-death uh, type of experience, but a place where he no longer was uh, bound by uh, desire and, and attachment. He had reached a place where he was free from all of the the binds that we have in life. And so nirvana is seen as a, a state of consciousness, uh, a point of awakening or enlightenment where he could actually, uh, again, communicate to people how they could avoid all of the suffering that comes through attachment. So I think we could probably say that it is kind of a mystical state of consciousness, uh, a freeing or an awakening or an enlightening is literally what the word means. And how is nirvana associated with uh, reincarnation? Yeah, very good. Well, uh, this is one of the areas in which Buddhism differs with Hinduism. Uh, Both religions believe in reincarnation, but for the Buddhists, there's no soul to pass on. In fact, Buddhists believe the idea that you have a soul is part of that attachment problem, that desiring problem. (laughs) 
And so ultimately, a person, if they practice the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, they hope that they will reach a place where they will experience nirvana and uh, have uh, a an existence apart from their own kind of, you know, human temporal experience. But I have to add that a lot of this is not well explained or necessarily thought out. It's sometimes difficult to know what the Buddhists are saying about that ultimate state, because uh, the Buddha experienced nirvana, but he was still living here on earth. So how it relates to the next life mm. is some sometimes somewhat mystical, I think, in, in explanation. So, Brother Samples, in terms of um, the similarities and the differences between Buddhism and Christianity, while we have a few minutes left, can you kind of summarize what the main thing we as believers uh, need to do in terms of our reaction to, to a Buddhist? Yeah. Well, I, I think... Uh, I think what we can appreciate is that uh, a Buddhist is going to share certain ethical principles with us. Uh, you know, Buddhists believe in telling the truth. They don't want to steal. Uh, they don't want to engage in in uh, sexual uh, sins of, of various types. Um, I think, though, when it comes to, to desire, I, I think we can kind of take that term and kind of explain it a little differently. Uh, you know, we have a desire for God. Uh, instead of having a desire to be attached to the temporal things of the world, I think our desire, as St. Augustine said in his book, The Confessions, we have a desire and a wanting of God to be in union with him, mm. to find forgiveness before him and to, to love and to be redeemed by him. I, I think at some fundamental point we have to talk about our fallenness, our sinfulness, and that Jesus is different than the Buddha. He's not a mystical philosopher. Jesus is rather our Savior who comes to take away our sin, to restore us to a place of God. And so desiring God and wanting to know and be loved by God is not a bad thing. It's actually a very good thing. And so I think uh, one of the fundamental differences between being a Buddhist and being a Christian is the unique features of Jesus. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection all work to bring us into union with God, whereas, whereas the Buddha um, doesn't necessarily do anything to change your status uh, if, if, in fact, there is a God. So the religions are very different. So... I just want to be clear, if there's no view of the soul, then uh, in terms of their um, metaphysical help, is this strictly dealing with the nirvana issue? It, it is largely. Uh, again, the idea, of, uh, the idea of what awaits us in the afterlife, uh, mm -hmm. again, it gets very complicated in, in – the more advanced areas of, uh, of Buddhism, but Nirvana is really kind of breaking that hold that desire or attachment has. Mm. And it's not necessarily the same thing as some kind of afterlife. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And we thank you so much for sharing uh, this book with us. Uh, I really can't 
um, share it enough in terms of those that are listening to us, how much information is in here. And we didn't even get into Confucianism and, and, and Islam, but this chapter on Buddhism really helped me a lot in better understanding uh, those that practice the Buddhist religions. So, Brother Samples, thank you so much for making yourself available. Uh, we will be in touch again. And, again, thank you for writing the book, and may God continue to bless you and your ministry. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure being with you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. That's Professor Kenneth Samples, who's written a book called God Among the Sages, Why Jesus is Not Just Another Religious Leader. And in the book, he really compares the similarities between Christianity and different religions, but more importantly, he highlights the contrast on why Jesus is so unique and why Jesus is not like the others. As a matter of fact, when you look at all of the major religions started by man, Jesus stands alone because Jesus is the creator. He's the savior, and he is responsible for giving these other men life. So we can't put him on the same footing. We can't put him on the same level. Uh, Jesus is much more than just a sage, a religious leader, a prophet. He's more than that. He's God in person, um, Paul, as Paul shares with us in Philippians, the second chapter. But we thank you all for listening to Sound Reason and Ministries. We pray that you learn something today in terms of uh, Buddhism and how we as Christians can better share with them. And remember to do for the truth what so many other people do for a lie. And if the Holy Spirit impresses on your heart, please consider, uh, in addition to praying for us, uh, sharing with us financially. Uh, this radio show is funded by those who believe in spread, spreading the sound and healthy teaching of the word. And we thank you all so much for being partners. And I am helped by all the feedback we're getting in terms of listeners who are edified by the show. And please continue to study and to uh, divide correctly the word of God. May the Lord continue to bless you, your ministry, your church, and all that you do for kingdom building. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. 
Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.